Well, good morning. We have a nice, we have a little more balance this morning between the, uh, the left side and the right side. I'm liking this. More people need to, to spread out, but that's okay. We are so happy to have you here this morning um, and uh, happy to have you here. If you are watching on live stream or if you are watching later, we are blessed to have you at our service this morning. Does anybody know what a rebus is? Anybody know what a rebus is? Somebody, a couple of you are, are doing this. A lot of you are doing, what? What are you talking about? So a rebus is quite literally a picture puzzle where symbols and letters are combined and you try to figure out what the puzzle is talking about by looking at the symbols and, and the, uh, the letters and the pictures. So uh, Vanna White is here this morning. She's going to help me. Um, we've got a couple of rebuses. Rebuy, I'm not quite sure what the plural of that is, but I uh, want you to take a look at this. Tell me if you can guess what this puzzle is trying to say. Go ahead. <laughs> what, what, what? I love you. There you go. That was an easy one, right? So, so the pictures, right? An I and then a heart, which is love, and then the letter U. I love you. So now you know how rebuses work. We're going to try a, a different one, a little bit, little bit more difficult uh, rebus this time. Maybe. I don't know. You guys are really kind of smart, so you, you might know these things. Go ahead. Ooh. Anybody? Turn. So it looks like it's trying to spell out turn. Is there anything missing? You. No U-turn. No absolutely correct. Give him a hand. Yes, absolutely correct. All right. Excellent. All right. So a few years ago, um, I created this one. I was, I, I was just feeling a little bit creative, and I created this, uh, this rebus myself, and Vanna's going to come up. She's going to show you what this was. See if you can figure out this one. This might even be a little easier. What's that? Exhausted, yes, egg, sauce, and Theodore Roosevelt, or Ted, as I like to call him. Egg sausage. Thank you so much, Vanna, for helping me out this morning. Does anybody here get tired? I, <laughs> I almost decided to just wear my pajamas to, to preach this sermon this morning, but... Uh, so just a couple of you only get to, Wendy gets tired all the time. Any, anybody here always tired? Yes, okay, there we go. A lot of people raising their hands, right? We are a tired people sometimes, aren't we? I mean, there's just, there's so much going on, and there's so many things that we have to do, so many responsibilities, so many fun things that we go, you know, we go on vacation. How many of you come back more exhausted from vacation than when you left, and you feel like you need a vacation to recover from your vacation, right? We, and we, we love to, to, to kind of be busy. We love to do all of those things. And, and, of course, the problem is there's only 168 hours in a week, right? So we only have a, a finite amount of time. And we're so tired. It's part of the reason that we're so tired is because we don't get enough sleep. And the average American, uh, I looked this up, gets 6.8 hours of sleep a night. That's about 47 and a half hours of sleeping. 
And that's nowhere near what doctors recommend. Doctors recommend anywhere from eight to nine hours for an adult to get sleep. And if you're a teenager, you should be getting anywhere from 10 to 12 hours of sleep, not two hours plus eight hours of playing video games in bed. That's not what we're talking about. We also have to work. And of course, full-time employment, uh, you know, as defined by the federal government, is anybody who works 37 and a half hours a week. Is that right? 30 hours. Oh, it's, it's lowered. Okay, I got some bad information. So 30 hours a week is considered full-time. Most people, it's 37 and a half. You factor in lunches and things like that. But the average full-time employee in the United States works anywhere from 42 and a half to 53 hours a week. So you combine six, almost seven hours of sleep a night plus uh, eight to nine and a half, ten hours of work a day, you don't have a whole lot of time left in a 24-hour day. And if you have kids, how many of us have kids or had kids that we were always running to, to music lessons and rehearsals and sports and clubs and Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and all of those things? All of those things take time. And then, of course, all of the places that we're taking them to expect us to volunteer to help, right? You got to do the fundraising and you got to come and you got to be with the kids and you got to come and cheer on your, your team and you got all of this stuff. And we just get exhausted. There are just not enough hours in the week. And we get tired. But we need rest. We need sleep. We need breaks. We need some, some downtime when we can just kind of take things slow and, and take our mind off of our responsibilities and take our minds off of everything in our busy lives. And this is not just something that, you know, scientists and psychologists and all these people. God built us to need rest. That's why we sleep. That's why we get tired. That's why our bodies, when we're, we've worked strenuously, uh, we get tired and our legs turn to jelly or our arms turn to jelly and we, just, we need to stop. And God made us that way. After God finished creating the universe and everything in it, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 to 3, we read that on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And the word for rested here in Genesis 2 is the Hebrew word Shabbat, or Sabbath is what we know it as. And the importance of the Sabbath Day, the day of rest, the day of ceasing work is found throughout Scripture. And it's reflected in the fact that God even included keeping the Sabbath day as one of the Ten Commandments that he gave to Israel. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 9, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Holy means set apart. Set this day apart from all the other days in your week. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. 
How many of you have a day of the week where you do no work? Most of us, if we're not going to a job to work, we're doing other things, right? Upkeep of the house and doing all of these things. But God calls us to a day of rest. A whole day. When we read about God providing manna, the bread from heaven during the, the Israelites' 40-year wandering in the wilderness, he puts special emphasis on the Sabbath day, even in giving them their food, even in providing them their daily sustenance. He puts a limitation on the Sabbath day. In Exodus chapter 16, we read, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather one day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. God told Israel to gather twice the daily amount of manna on the sixth day and to prepare it that day. Cook it, bake it, whatever you're going to do with it. And he says, this is a test. I want to test to see if you're going to keep my commandments. And in particular, are you going to keep the commandment of making the Sabbath day separate? Are you going to not work on the Sabbath? And we read further in this story that when uh, some people from Israel that first Sabbath day, when the manna had started raining down from heaven, they went out looking for manna on the Sabbath day, and there was nothing there. They were testing God's commandment. They were disobeying what God had told them to do, which was to gather for the two days and be ready for a day of rest. In the New Testament, we read about the scribes and the Pharisees calling Jesus out for what they considered to be Jesus breaking the Sabbath. In Luke chapter 6, we read on a Sabbath day, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some grain, heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful? to do on the Sabbath. And this is true. If you look at Jewish law, going out and picking food was against the Sabbath. You weren't supposed to do that on the Sabbath day. And there they were, picking grains and rubbing them in there, preparing them, and then popping them in their mouth. In Mark chapter 3, we read again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And John 5.16 says, and this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. We're not going to talk about Jesus and whether he broke the Sabbath today. But they were, they were upset. They thought Jesus was breaking the Sabbath. And, and we read all of these things, and of course we think today, well, what's, you know, what's the big deal? Jesus broke the Sabbath. You want to accuse him of breaking the Sabbath, so what? But it was a big 
deal. In Exodus chapter 31, it says, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it, everyone who works on the Sabbath, everyone who does things on the Sabbath that they're not supposed to do, shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from his people. Six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. So this was a big deal, breaking this Sabbath commandment. It was punishable by death, and that's what the scribes and the Pharisees wanted with Jesus anyway. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to get him out of the way to stop him from riling up all of the crowds and doing all of the things that he was doing. Several years ago, I was uh, contemplating Sabbath while we were, we were sitting in our kitchen, and I actually I, I, I kept this all of these years. It's about, what, 10 years ago or so now? And I actually kept this. I wrote the word Sabbath on a napkin. That's the only thing that we had in the kitchen at the time. And I just grabbed it and, and wrote down Sabbath. And then uh, I created a little word puzzle out of Sabbath. And I wrote down soul and body being allowed to heal. Because that's what came to me when I, when I was thinking about the Sabbath day. Soul and body being allowed to to heal. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to explore what Sabbath meant to the people of Israel and what it is supposed to mean for us today. This idea of allowing our souls and our bodies time to rest and recover from all of the physical and mental and spiritual toll that the week brings to us. Like I said, God built us with a need for rest, physical rest, mental rest, emotional rest, spiritual rest. Prophet Isaiah tells us, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. The psalmist tells us that the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures, and I don't think it's any accident that he actually uses the words, makes me. Because sometimes if God's not going to make me lie down, make me rest, I'm just going to keep going. And I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep going. We have this thing in our house when we start to get sick. Um, not like, like horrible sick, just like head colds and things like that. And, and we say this is God's way of telling us to slow down. This is God's way of, of showing us that we are abusing our bodies to the point where our immune system is breaking down. He wants us to rest. I heard some Christians talk about the entire COVID pandemic in a way that suggested that God was trying to get us to slow down, maybe to take a look at some things that we hadn't taken time to look at before. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's just, it's one of those things that I think about. Jesus told us, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he says in the book of Revelation, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Folks, we need physical 
emotional, mental rest. It's how our bodies were created. We get tired. We sustain injuries. Our bodies need time to heal. When I was a much younger fellow, I used to work out. And I know you look at me and say, well, why would you need to work out? I mean, you just naturally. But I did. I used to, I used to work out. I used to walk. I used to jog. I used to like, do weightlifting and all of that kind of stuff. When I was 18, um, right after I had gotten out of the uh, Army basic training, I weighed 195 pounds. And I was fit. I could do 50 push-ups. I could run a mile in about eight minutes. I could probably run a mile in about eight hours now, but <laughs> I was fit. 20 years ago, when I was in my early 30s, um, and Wendy was in her uh, mid to late 20s, uh, we decided we were going to train to run the inaugural Baltimore Marathon. It was the first marathon that was going to be in, in October. And, and we read about it, I think, in April or May. Uh, and <laughs> as it happens, Wendy's dad decided to come up for the services. He actually decided to sign up with us. Um, foolish, foolish man. Then uh, we started training. We would get up in the morning. And we, and we, you know, we did it the right way. We added time and we added miles and everything. And we'd get up in the morning and we'd run and we'd always make sure that we ran places where there was a park where we could fill up our water bottles and things like that. And we trained for a few months. And we got to this point where we had built up enough stamina to run and walk a lot, um, a half a marathon distance, 13.1 miles. And the day that we hit that milestone, I remember just clear as it was a Saturday. It was our first long, long run. And we both realized on that day that running a marathon would almost literally kill us. <laughs> and I know you think that's an exaggeration, but let me tell you what happened. We ran and we ran and we walked and we walked and we, and it, and it was, I think it was July. It was hot. It was like 75 degrees at 6.30 in the morning when we left. And it took us a while, but it was hot. And, and we got to about mile 12 and a half. We were like, like 0.6 miles away from our house. And Wendy literally sat down on the sidewalk, crying, saying, I'm not going any further. Go get the car and pick me up. She did. So I had to finish the 13.1 miles in order to get the car. Now, of course, by the time I had gotten the car, I, she was up and she was, she was walking like this, you know, trying to get, and I'm like, come on, get in the car. She's like, no, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. <laughs> and we finally got home. I, our bathroom was on, on the upper level, which is a stupid way to have bathrooms in houses when you're training for a marathon. And I'm like, I, I, I'm like taking the, 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 the thing and I'm just like pulling myself up the stairs and I get to the bathroom and I run this cool bath and put some Epsom salts in. And my, I'm, I was so sore and I was so tired and I just like got in the bath. And I was in there for like an hour. The first half hour was to soak my throbbing muscles and things like that. And the second half hour was because I couldn't stand up. 
Wendy went on later in, in her life, though, to actually run a couple of uh, half marathons. She did the Disney Princess Half Marathon. She did the Hershey Half. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, while she was training for those, I went on later in life to stay with our boys and <laughs> hang out in the house in the air conditioning while Wendy went and trained. And every once in a while, we'd, we'd kind of know where her path was for training, and we'd go out with little signs, Go, Mom! Yay! Run! All right, get back in the car, boys. We're going home. <laughs> we need rest. It is, it is just, it's imperative. And, 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 and again, some of you are athletes and some of you push your bodies to uh, just that breaking point. And, and you know the importance of resting your body. But rest isn't just about physical exertion. Because our minds become tired. We, we get filled with all of the cares associated with work and with life and with our families and with everything else that's going on. And as I researched Sabbath or Shabbat, I found some excellent information from this website called the Jewish Virtual Library. I love this site. I go to it a lot when I am prepping sermons and I want to know, well, what did this mean way back then? What does this mean to Jewish people today? And the Jewish Virtual Library says this, in modern America, we take the five-day work week so much for granted that we forget what a radical concept a day of rest was in ancient times. The weekly day of rest has no parallel in any other ancient civilization. In ancient times, leisure was for the wealthy and for the ruling classes only, never for the serving or laboring classes. In addition, the very idea of rest each week was unimaginable. The Greeks thought the Jews were lazy because we insisted on having a holiday every seventh day. To those who observe Shabbat, it is a day of great joy, eagerly awaited throughout the week, a time when we can set aside all of our weekday concerns and devote ourselves to higher pursuits. Now, I don't know about you, but... My mind runs constantly. My mind is always on something. A lot of times I will be thinking about something and then I will go and I will get ready to start Googling it and by the time I get to Google, I will forget what it is that I was going to Google because something else has already popped into my head. And, I mean, sometimes I even can't... Anybody not be able to sleep because your mind is just going and going and going and going? Sometimes, and, and there was a time for a while, man, I was only getting like three hours of sleep because my mind just kept going and going and going, and I had to figure out. Finally, I, I turned to prayer, and I started praying. When my mind kept going, I turned to prayer, and I just asked God to shut my mind off, and he did. Now, imagine taking a full day off where you don't have to be concerned about anything that you need to do, need to do. How many of you would welcome a 24-hour period where you didn't have to do anything? Anybody? I know I would. And we all think, well, that's just impossible in, in, in our world today, but I want to tell you it's possible. Not only is it possible, but it is something that you can eagerly await with joy. This idea of having a day of rest, but it does, it takes some work. 
Just like when God told Israel, you got to gather twice as much for the Sabbath day so that you don't have to work. Getting ready to have a day of rest sometimes takes a little bit more work. A few years back, we were really stressed out with life. I don't know, it was almost seven, eight years now. And we were, it was really starting to affect our family. We were snippy with each other, and we just got angry at little things. And Wendy and the boys and I all kind of got together, and we decided that we were going to start practicing the Dorica Sabbath day of rest. And we decided that from 6 o'clock on Friday until we got up on Sunday morning, that was going to be our time. That was going to be our day of rest where we weren't going to do anything. We would make sure that everything that needed to be done before 6 o'clock on Friday was done. And it took a lot of planning. It took a lot of cajoling of the boys sometimes because you know how boys are. All the chores had to be done throughout the week. The laundry had to be done. The cleaning and the lawn mowing and all of this. Everything had to, we had to finish everything by 6 o'clock on Friday. Now, we decided we would still cook meals on Saturday because we liked cooking meals. We loved spending that time together. So that was not something that we cut out. But we also could do it at a more leisurely pace because we didn't have 18 other things that we had to be doing on Saturday. So on the way home from work on Friday, I would uh, often pick up something for dinner, a pizza or carry out or something like that, and we would gather as a family at 6 o'clock and we would, we would start that meal, like we do with most of our meals, with prayer. And we would thank God for the opportunity to have a day of rest, a day where we could just do nothing if that's what was called for. And we'd eat dinner on Friday night. We'd usually watch some sort of family movie, probably Pixar, probably Cars for like 18 weeks in a row or something like that. And then we just spend Friday evening kind of just hanging out. Saturday, we'd sleep in. If we were able to sleep in, we could usually make breakfast, and then sometimes we would just all go off and do our own thing, or sometimes we'd get together and go and do something. I might read or, or you know, study or something like that. The boys would play. Wendy would... Uh, I don't really know what Wendy was doing. <laughs> but Wendy would do whatever Wendy does when Wendy doesn't have anything to do. <laughs> Wendy and I would have, could have great conversations. It was, it was wonderful to have a break, a day where we could just sit down and talk. We could talk about the future. We could talk about how things are going. We could talk about the things that we wanted for the boys. It was just a great day of rest. We'd even take a nap sometimes. Anybody nap? Teenagers, you, you don't like naps right now. But I'm going to tell you, in, in a few years, you are going to want to be able to take naps. And then we'd start prepping dinner, you know, 3 or 4 o'clock, enjoy the time, you know, cutting up fresh things or whatever. And it fed our bodies, our, the dinner did, but it also fed our souls. It fed this, this feeling of being our family. And... Sadly, and I'm really sad to say this, we haven't, we haven't practiced that in a while. I think it would be healthy for us to try to do that again, to renew that habit. Uh, it gets harder as teenagers get older because they have jobs and they have friends and they have all of these things. But I just remember that when we did that, the rest of the week felt less stressful because we had something to look forward to. 
every week. We had this time, and I could, I, I, I really liked going up in, in the mornings and, and going into this one spare room that we had, and I would go in and just study the Bible and pray and things like that, and I always felt rushed Monday through Friday morning. Saturday morning, I could go in there for a couple of hours if I wanted to. It was just a way to structure our six days so that the seventh day we could just... And sometimes we just need to... We just need to stop. We just need to care for ourselves. We need to let God take care of all of the other stuff that's running through our minds the other six days a week. You know what, God? I'm going to let you take that and I'm just going to... I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to be here with my family. God made us with an incredible ability to work, to think, to plan, to do the things that we do every day, but God also created us with the idea that it is crucial to rest from our labors. And it is so important, it is so important to God that we rest that he set the example himself. God didn't need to rest on the seventh day. God has all power, all energy, all everything. He didn't need to stop. But what creation shows us is, first of all, God planned that time. And God planned it with an end in sight and a time where he could cease working and he gave us that as an example and he commanded his people remember the sabbath day observe the sabbath day keep it holy keep it set apart don't let anything else infringe on it save that day for me Save that day for yourself and rest, recover, rejuvenate. Of course, if observing the Sabbath day was all about physical rest, I'm not sure if God would have made it a commandment. But part of the commandment is to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy to the Lord. There is more to the Sabbath day than simply physical and mental rest or allowing our bodies to heal from the strain of work. The Sabbath day is made so that our souls may find rest in the Lord. And next week, we're going to explore what that means. What does the Bible tell us about resting our souls in God? Taking the cares and the frustrations and the angers and the sadness and putting them on God so that our souls might be released from the weight that we feel on them. We're also going to take a look at what a typical Sabbath day looks like from the Jewish perspective and just see how the people of God, the people of Israel, how did this actually work for them to have that day to heal soul and body. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that this is
the day that you have made. And Father, we thank you for the way that you created us. Created us with a desire to work. Created us with a desire to think and to plan and to do. Father, you also created us to need that day every week to, to stop planning and doing. You created that day for us to rest our bodies, rest our minds, rest our souls. Father, I pray that each person that is hearing this today will take these words to heart. I pray that you will help them to find a way that they can rest, that they can take that day, that they can take that time and let go of everything. Father, I know and I thank you that for our family that just really was a, an incredible time where we could be less stressed, where we could be less frustrated with one another. Father, I ask that you would show that to other people, show them how to rest, to heal themselves, and maybe even to heal their relationships. Father, I ask that you would bless us this week as we go about our week, keep all of our families who are on vacations safe in their travels. I ask that you would bring us back here again next Sunday to talk about how you give us rest for our souls. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of us need a restart. Some of us need to begin life anew, taking into account this idea of rest. Nothing is so important that it cannot be put off so that you can rest. I pray this week that you will find time, even if it's not a full day, find an hour just to rest. God bless you this week.